Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. So one of my all-time favorite quotes is this one by Eleanor Roosevelt. No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. But this goes on all the time in marriages, one person blaming the other for how the first one feels. And the truth of the matter is, whether you like it or not, you actually teach people how to treat you. If something your partner is doing is problematic, you're the one who has to step up and claim it. If the behavior continues and you stay, you have implicitly told your partner that it really isn't the problem after all. Now, when I say this to my clients, they often think I'm talking about ultimatums. And I'm not because ultimatums are threats that usually aren't followed through on. I'm talking about boundaries and their necessity for healthy relationships, and I'm really happy to have that conversation with my guest, writer and relationship coach, Matt Frey. So Matt, thanks for coming back on the show, and again, we're talking about something that is so important that most people, just they have no idea how important it is. I can only speak for myself. I certainly didn't know how important it was. And, uh, and, the, and the real irony, and thank you, for the, thank you first and foremost for having me again. It's always a pleasure. Um, but what's interesting about the boundary conversation from my perspective, because a lot of the storytelling that I do is first person, mm-hmm. is that this was really, this really would have been more useful for my, for my former spouse, you know, for, if we're going to mm-hmm. get specific, for my girlfriend prior to becoming my fiancé, wife, ex-wife. Um, because had she vigilantly identified and enforced her boundaries, I wouldn't have had the privilege of being in a relationship with her and she would have had, you know, made what I perceive to be a healthy choice for herself just to, just to protect herself. But, you know, as you and I talk about, it seems like young people maybe lack that perspective sometimes. They, they don't know what they don't know. Well, yeah, and, and, I, would, and I would argue that that's both people in a relationship. Um, and I want to go back because part of the reason why I had asked you to come back on is because you wrote a piece that appeared on the Good Men Project and also Medium entitled The Magic of Boundaries. So and I was talking in the introduction about the difference between ultimatums and boundaries. So can you give a definition of what boundaries actually are? I don't um, – I want to be careful here, and I might lean on you <laughs> to, to help, like, like, modify this. But the way that I've talked about it previously, and I think very specifically the way it shows up in the article – is this way. Having strong boundaries, having strong healthy boundaries, if you will, all that means is you are accepting responsibility for everything that is yours to be responsible for. And it also in turn means you are not accepting responsibility for the stuff that other people are responsible for because it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. And um, people, people take on things that are not theirs and that tends to oh, be yeah. bad for both, both of themselves and the others who are there like, enabling and or, like you said, implicitly giving permission to treat them a certain way. Mm-hmm. And then not taking responsibility for your own stuff does the whole victim mentality thing where we start justifying um, perhaps unhealthy or, or toxic even things that we do. And we justify it by saying, you know, if, if that person hadn't done X, Y, and Z, then I wouldn't have done that. 
when really maybe just accept responsibility for, for your actions independent of what someone else did. Well, and that's really interesting because, yeah, that's one of the things that, that I, when I talk with my clients about, it's like, okay, so something happens, there's an event, and I experience it a particular way. And the one I use all the time is I was born and raised in Los Angeles. That's where I learned to drive. I don't live in Los Angeles anymore, and the drivers where I live make me crazy because they just do, I mean, they don't know what a turn indicator is, and they can't yield to save their lives. And so when I'm out on the road, I'll, you know, they'll do something, and it'll really tick me off. And, but, but at that moment, I have multitudinous you know, I, options of what I can do. On my best days, I just wave at them and go, hope, hope that made you feel better. Have a nice day. I usually say words that would make my mother very uncomfortable. And, but, or I could chase them down, run them off the road, and beat them with a tire iron. I've never chosen option number three. But ultimately... I decide what I'm going to do, you know, based on how I want to be in the world. And I think that's what you're kind of talking about with boundaries. And that if somebody is doing something that I don't like, then I I have to step up. I have to say, this is not okay with me. You know, (laughs) what are we going to do about it? No, right. And, And you said it in the opener about this idea of sort of implicitly giving permission. And I bet people don't think about it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, my, the thing that like, caused people to pay attention to me ever was the article, She Divorced Me Because I Left Dishes by the Sink. Right. And, 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 and that's, that's a nice sort of like example of the kind of situation where maybe somebody doesn't associate this concept of personal boundaries with a conversation about something like a dish being left by the, dis- by the sink or where, where laundry is being thrown, you know, once somebody's changing their clothes or all of these tiny little things that I, and forgive me for even saying it that way, because I, I, it's exactly the kind of characterization I don't want to have. Um, mm-hmm. These are the types of common relationship household interactions that people easily dismiss because they perceive them to be inconsequential and unimportant, but that mm-hmm. end up, making up the lion's share of relationship problems. And, 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 and it, I really perceive that to be a boundary enforcement issue. It's like mm-hmm. my wife, I don't want to say she let me get away with it, but in some respects, her lack of emphasis on just how big of a deal that was to her mm-hmm. and her sort of like failure, if you will, and, and, and God knows I'm not trying to like – or judge her, but right, but her, if you'll just forgive the language, her failure to say, this isn't okay, and I'm Mm going to make damn sure he understands it, Mm -hmm. it it didn't, it's like it didn't punish me enough, if you will, and and it's not, it's not a punishment per se, it's it's her protecting herself, it's her standing up for herself and saying, I'm worth these conditions, like, Uh you have to meet these conditions to be with me. And, right. and, and she let me get away with violating the terms of that personal contract the, the healthier version of herself, you know, should have had. And, you know, some people might perceive that to be patience and kindness and forgiveness and relationship commitment. And maybe all those things are true, but it doesn't mean it's going to mathematically result in a, in a positive relationship for, for either person. Well, and, you know, and it's interesting that you talk about this because, you know, this is where, I mean, I hear this all the time from, from women, mostly from women, rarely from men, is that if I don't do it, it won't get done. And it's like, really? So what you're basically saying is 
you know, this person can outweigh you, whether it's your child or your spouse or whoever, because they know you'll do it, as opposed to just, you know, <laughs> as opposed to just leaving it there. So it's like, no, I don't have to pick this up. No, I don't have to, you know, do your laundry. But, but, but then it gets all mixed up in, um, <clears throat> I don't know whether it's, I, I'm not thinking about it in terms of being aggressive, but, it, but it's really about, you know, staking your claim that no, I am not the household maid. But if I keep doing all the stuff, you know, <laughs> then I'm basically saying, well, yes, I am. And, and, and we, we end up teaching people, again, how to treat us, that, oh, I don't really have to take this person seriously because they're going to do it anyway, which, of course, is a big mistake, but it's two, it's two sides to it. Well, absolutely, and I think some people think about it, like uh, the whole Lady Justice scale, like uh, my share versus their share and division mm-hmm. of labor and equality and things like that, and, and it's really a lot bigger than that. Yes. Um, it really, it really resonates like, oftentimes, and I don't want to speak for all people, but it is so common to hear wives and frankly, sometimes husbands or, or just partners in a relationship. They don't always have to be married to mm-hmm. feel deep, deep, deep pain for what they perceive to be a lack of consideration from their partner. This idea yes. that they are so unimportant to the person they love that that person it seems unwilling to invest in these things that matter to them, no matter how minor, like relatively, right, they might seem. So, right, it's like this little incident's a minor thing, but the constant theme is I don't matter enough to that person for mm-hmm. them to, to, to take me seriously or to value my experiences. And that converts very quickly to something very tangibly painful that ends relationships all the time. Exactly. And so that brings me to the next thing I want to talk about, which is the link between good boundaries and healthy relationships and emotional health. I mean, because it's like, you know, and, and I, I'm sorry, and, I, and I've said this before, and it, it still stuns me, and I don't even know how many years ago it was when my mother said, and thank God I was behind her because I don't have a poker face, when she said to me that she didn't think women should have to ask for what they wanted. And I'm like going, okay, pick my job off the ground. Um, and <laughs> this idea that, um, that people should know what my boundaries are without me telling them. How does that work? I suppose if you don't define your own boundaries and you don't communicate them effectively, I suppose you are giving people license to define them for you. And then, mm-hmm. and then they get to trial and error, right? They get to do whatever they want and then gauge the reaction and then sort of just make their own judgments from there. And if we let people, um, if we're going to tolerate people mistreating us or if other people are going to tolerate us mistreating them, regardless of our intentions, by the way, yes. this isn't about, this, these aren't overt acts of, of neglect and abuse commonly, right? These are, these are just exactly. us being ourselves and, and then failing to recognize how us being ourselves might be adversely impacting others just because of a lack of awareness, empathy, all the things. And, and then, right, this is like the common theme of, of modern relationships and perhaps always relationships. And um, we have an obligation to communicate those stories that matter to us. And, and I hope people would want their spouse to effectively communicate their boundaries to them. I, I can't imagine somebody who genuinely loves their partner not wanting to understand the ways in which they hurt them. I mean, that, that seems... 
right. to me, but it's remarkable right. how it's remarkable how gifted we are at not handling that conversation very well. Of course, I'm not hurting you. You're you know you're overreacting. Yeah. You're being crazy. That is uh, that is that's a conversation a very, over and over again. Well, and, and I and I do think that's about the clarity of of, of the boundaries. And you know, just going back to to your to your example um, about the dishes on the sink, you know, it's like it doesn't bother me. So it's hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that it really is a problem. I mean, I'm not doing it intentionally. I'm not trying to be mean, but we use ourselves as the gauge, right? Yeah, if I absolutely. Would do it. This would be okay if I wouldn't, you know, and, and, and that's the challenge of when I'm in a relationship with somebody is, oh, here's this person who thinks and feels differently than I do, but what happens is, you know, it's like you're talking about, it's either not, it's either not communicated in a, in a clear enough way, and, I, and I, I can hear people now going, but I, but I keep saying it, I'm going, yes, I know you keep saying it, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's being communicicated clearly. <laughs> that's right. That's a whole other right. radio show. <laughs> but, but this idea of because generally then what happens is somebody gets angry or or you know or or highly emotional and that makes it really hard to hear the message and 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 it shouldn't but it does just because of the way our brains work that when somebody's yelling at me it's really hard for me to actually hear them and then this goes sure. into that boundary and I teach people how to treat me is that I don't have a calm conversation about why this, why this doesn't work and why it needs to be different. And that's the purpose of the boundaries. So how do boundaries create better emotional health? This is once again something I'm, I'm more inclined to default to you on, frankly, than me. <laughs> this is, um, right? This is, this is licensed therapy territory. Um, <laughs> I think we just described everyday examples that anybody listening is going to relate to, the common everyday conversations we have. Mm-hmm. And they create dysfunctional relationships. They produce emotional damage, and they affect our emotional health, and they affect our mental health. Mm-hmm. And these things happen. I've been using the word in, in, in insidiously, and it's like it's sneaky. It's like you don't quite see it coming. It's a conversation about a dish, right? And it's, it's sort mm-hmm. of easy to dismiss for a lot of people. Uh, it's, it's easy to say that's not a thing that matters very much. And, and, and the, the scary irony is it, that one conversation maybe isn't. What's going to happen, though, is you're going to have 100,000 conversations about a million different subjects, but the theme's always going to be the same. One person is going to feel as if they're with somebody who completely just does not factor them in to the decisions uh-huh. they make, like large and small, that they are not considered. And the amount of pain, the amount of anxiety, the amount of mistrust that can produce over the course of 100,000 small, quote-unquote, conversations uh-huh. creates poor emotional health, poor mental health, a complete lack of trust, intimacy, emotional connection between two people. And I can't explain, right, the, like, the science behind that, the neuroscience and the, the biology mm-hmm. in terms of like, body chemistry and stuff. All I can say is from like, a data standpoint, it's clear that that is what's happening over and Absolutely. over again. And, and, and having healthy boundaries and, and being with somebody who's mindful of this idea of personal boundaries and, and respecting yours and respecting themselves, I don't know. It's, it's a very attractive 
um, confidence, trust-producing scenario. And again, I don't want to blame a bunch of people like, oh, you are less than because you don't have them. These are not conversations a lot of younger people are exposed right. to, if you will, or introduced to growing up. These, just, <laughs> these aren't common everyday conversations that your run-of-the-mill 10, 15, 20-year-old person is having in the United States from perhaps anywhere um, right. and on it, a regular and basis. It, Right, and it's interesting because when you're growing up, when you're growing up in a household, it's hard as a child to create boundaries, right? Because it's like, well, your parents are going to tell you to do this, you know, and 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 it's it's a it's a challenging thing to create boundaries growing up. So if you don't know how to create them growing up, how the heck can you create them in relationships? And mm-hmm. you know, this is this is the challenging thing because. If we want to be treated well, then we have to know what, how to protect ourselves and make that happen. And then, of course, we end up, and we're going to be talking about this in a little bit, we're looking for something from a relationship that we're not getting, but we're afraid to say anything because, oh, well, then this person is going to leave me, which may be the appropriate thing to do. Or if you catch it early enough, they're not going to leave. It's like, oh, we can have a real conversation about what this is supposed to look like and what's okay with me and what's okay with you, and then we're off, we're off in a better place. But, but I have to know what that is before I can share it with you. Yes. So I want to remind people that this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dory, and I'm having a discussion about the importance of boundaries in a relationship with writer and relationship coach Matt Frey. So if you have resentment towards your partner, it may be because you don't honor what you say matters to you. And that is a boundary issue. But it's, as we were talking about, it's hard for people to establish boundaries with those that they love. And if that's you, there's something you can do about it. And I can help. Honoring who you are is not incompatible with being connected to someone else. And if you'd like to learn how to do that, then I... Um, make a request that you take a moment right now and get in touch with me to schedule your free, no obligation, create your happily ever after strategy session. You can reach me by email at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N is in Nancy, C is in charlie.com. And you can reach me by phone at area code 919 9240463. That's 919-9240463. And I want to get back to talking with Matt because we were just talking about um, learning, learning to have boundaries, young people not having boundaries, um, knowing how to establish them and how it impacts dating. So why is it important to have boundaries and enforce them during the dating process? Well, Leslie, as you know, the the idea of like divorce and dysfunctional relationships has been like the the driver, the motivation behind why I've done the writing I have and why I found myself okay. in in the role of working with people, um, you know, in the last year and a half, is because I'm really committed to this idea of I'm I find it so tragic. It's the story we keep sort of like hinting at um, mm-hmm. two young people just doing their best, making their way in the world, growing up at home. They believe what they believe because of the things they're taught and their experiences. You start dating in your teens, in your 20s. You're, you know, you see everybody out there, like, coupling up and, and, and you're starting families. And, and most of us grow up, most of us, to the tune of, like, 
95% statistically were like, we're going to get married someday. Uh-huh. And people just believe that's the, the, the blueprint for life, and they end up sort of following that path. But whether they believe it's the blueprint or not is irrelevant. Statistically, uh-huh. 9.5 out of 10 people are going to get married or at least believe they're going to get married um, uh-huh. and are working toward it. So then we have approximately half of these relationships where we've invested our lives and we've pulled our resources and we've built just years of memories and we've created children together. And then we're going to fall apart because of things we don't even see coming. Uh-huh. Um, right? We're going we're gonna to end up divorced or miserable in this relationship because of things we can't define. Somebody's like, hey, yep. why is this happening? We, we, no, few of us can tell an accurate story about what actually was the problem in the relationship. And what's really terrifying, if we're going to get into like divorce statistics and stuff, and you and I have actually talked about a lot of this before, it's approximately like 7 out of 10 second marriages end in divorce. Oh, yeah. After, after all the horror, after all the like going through the trouble and the emotional difficulties and potential legal and financial difficulties and you know the, the, the children's situation, people will get remarried and then fail at an even higher rate than the first time. Uh-huh. Um, so I find all of that to be a really, really tragic story. I call it divorce the greatest social crisis of our time, largely because it seems so obvious to me that this is impacting lots of people all of the does. time. And I perceive it to be something that happens at a higher rate than it should, given, given the like, parameters of marriage, given this idea right. that, well, I love this person and we're going to be partners for life and we really value this and we're trying hard. Like, we want to make this work. How is it failing at such a high rate? And (laughs) undoubtedly, undoubtedly, establishing a foundation in the relationship in which boundaries weren't being enforced, I mean, absolutely has to be, you know, a component of this. And I guess what I mean by that is, um, and I kind of, like, tell, like, a ridiculous, like, example of just, like, you know, like like a generic story of, like, boy meets girl in the article that you referenced. Uh-huh. Um, but it was just right. It was a really sort of almost cliche idea of like the young woman who's smitten with the boy and, and, and doesn't want to hold him accountable for certain things for various reasons. Maybe she doesn't uh-huh. want to be rejected. Maybe uh-huh. um, after 18 months together and all her girlfriends are getting married and there's pressure from her parents to get married and have children or something you know, maybe she doesn't want to start over again. Maybe that's really scary to her. Um, right. I don't want to pin this on, on the common female in a common heterosexual relationship that wouldn't be appropriate. It just statistically seems to kind of work out that way. Um, but, right, like boys do what boys do, not that that's okay. But the thing that would theoretically prevent this common divorce story that I experience personally and that so many people experience, sadly, tragically, mm-hmm. would be if this boundary conversation was happening in the dating phase, saying, hey, this thing that makes me feel really bad, having the maturity and the wherewithal, which, again, we don't when we're young. It's, it's awful. But if you did, and you could mm-hmm. say, this isn't something that's okay, and anything that triggers that this isn't something that's okay, and then we tolerate it, is us not honoring our boundaries. And yeah. every time that happens, we erode let's call it the integrity. You you said it um, earlier, and I'm so glad you did. It gets into psychology a little bit, of which I'm not an expert on. (laughs) But you said, um, forgive me, I'm I'm looking for it. It's um, 
it's like maybe you don't honor your own boundaries. Maybe you have a habit of not adhering to the things you perceive to be, right? Like a lot of us fail to live up to our own standards. And the more often we fail to, you know, maybe it's like getting up and working out every day. Maybe it's mm-hmm. I want to be somebody who makes my bed or I want to be somebody who <laughs> calls his parents twice a week, whatever right. it may be. If you have something you perceive to be like a personal value or a boundary that you want to do, and then you don't do it, you like let yourself down, your brain can't help but begin to believe the story that you're the kind of person who doesn't honor his or her personal boundaries, who doesn't adhere to his or her personal values. And that trickles into this. Mm-hmm. You, you, you become that person, and you, that's the story you believe about yourself, and that's how your actions reflect those beliefs. And then the other person, as you said, feels implicitly allowed you know, like they were given permission right. to, to do or act a certain way. And this sounds dangerously like I'm saying people are, and maybe even you and I are, it, it, I hope nobody interprets it that way, that people are absolutely responsible for their own behavior. But this is a way to like take the power back. This is right. a way where other people are absolutely responsible for their behavior. But in but, that exact same vein, we are responsible for enforcing the standards by which we're going to be treated. And that right. equals happy, healthy relationships, at, at least at an infinitely higher clip than we have today. Well, and it's interesting because you know, I've said this to my husband over the years because you know, he has said to me over the years, oh, you're perfect. I said, first off, no, I'm not, and stop that. I Get me off that damn pedestal because I don't belong there. But if I'm doing something that bothers him, I am not going to know it unless he tells me. Now, he may tell me verbally or he may tell me non-verbally, but it's, but it's much more helpful if he just comes to me and directly says, this thing is not okay with me. And, you know, and, 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 and the same is true for me. If he's doing something that is not okay with me, it is up to me to let him know because otherwise he's not going to know. <laughs> and, I'm, and, and it's much better to be direct. I mean, there are a lot of people who do it you know, by being passive aggressive, you know, passively aggressive, which is not functional. I mean, Absolutely. but it's this idea that, well, if I say that something isn't okay, then this person is going to leave me. And it's sort of like, and my mind goes, well, if it's really not okay, and they're not, you know, and they're not okay with making you feel okay, then maybe they should leave. And I think this is what you're talking about is doing this, um, um, in, when we're dating, before we get, you know, before we get married and have children and, and combine our lives and do all these things, because then it's much harder to do. Yes, ma'am. Imagine, imagine, like, uh, it's, it's, it's just the math really checks out. And, and I realize this is an uncomfortable idea, mm-hmm. this idea that you have to end relationships at a higher rate. But again, as somebody who's been through you know, the rigors of divorce and this, the torment of it. I, I, I'm not afraid to champion, um, you know, breaking relationships when we're, when we're in the dating phase. I'm not, I'm not afraid at all to be a champion of that idea that we're dating. I've identified a, a boundary problem. And mm-hmm. if they don't choose to be the kind of person that says, you know what, I really like and I really respect this person and I, and I want to choose to explore a relationship with them, the, the overt decision 
to not honor a clearly stated and communicated boundary reflects the kind of behavior that person's going to have with you for the long haul. Exactly. So it's on you to allow or disallow that. And I understand that disallowing it has consequences, painful, uncomfortable ones. But if the mathematical result of that is you don't wake up 50 and miserable with children and, you know, all these years together and, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, choose. Um, and right. people, people are going to get that. And unfortunately, this is, this is only a useful conversation for people who are young and single and or people who are on the other side of, of a marriage and possibly considering another one. Um, you know, it's, it's not particularly useful for two married yeah. people who feel stuck in a, in a boundaryless, um, from an enforcement standpoint, marriage. Well, and, and, and on that point, I am going to somewhat respectfully disagree. I do think it's much harder to do it once you're in a marriage. But, um, and again, part of that is, is having the ability to communicate it in a healthy way. Um, and so, you know, yelling about it, while it might make you feel good in the moment, isn't going to be effective because basically, you know, high, high emotional interaction other than the positive, passionate love, that kind of high emotion, um, but, but anger, frustration, hurt, that kind of high emotion rarely gets um, related in a, in a healthy way. And it's, and it's easier to say to somebody, and it, because in some cases, People don't, most people don't want to get divorced. Right. And, you know, you're, 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 anybody who's read your stuff, because you're, you're pretty open about how, how devastated it, devastating it was for you. And it's devastating for most people. I mean, there, it, one of the things that really annoys me is people being flip about, oh, divorce, no big deal, everybody does it, kids will be fine. It's like, okay, that's not true. Um, but... And some marriages do need to end, but, but some marriages, they, people can actually, you know, reel it in and say, hey, I know I've been allowing this for a long time, but it's really not okay, and our relationship is suffering. And we can point out, you know, people who, you know, who don't, you know their, their level of intimacy has dropped off. I mean, there's lots of, or they're fighting. I mean, th- people can actually point to the symptoms of this. And say, here's the reason why it's happening. Do you want to do something about it? You know, and that's and that's what people can say. Yes, I do, or no, I don't. And it's why people like you and I have jobs is because people do need help with this because they can't necessarily see or or navigate the pattern that they've set in motion. I mean, I agree. No. It's much easier to deal with something upfront. <laughs> Makes it a whole lot easier. But it doesn't necessarily mean that if something's going on in your relationship that is not okay, it can't be fixed. I and forgive me if I communicated that I thought that. It's um, I, I I guess the way that I personally view marriage, because I take very seriously this idea of I love you and I vow to mm-hmm. like honor and serve you all the days of my life. I feel as if the language and stance you can take on vigilant boundary enforcement become has more gray area in marriage. I mean, yeah. The thing that I am really, really comfortable with you ending uh, uh, an early relationship with, you know, uh, I've had four mm-hmm. dates with them relationship. 
mm-hmm. maybe doesn't make the cut, not that my opinion gets to matter, but this is just me sharing what I think, um, maybe doesn't make my list of I agree that that also is a good reason to end a 25-year marriage. So that's what I guess what I mean is like you I feel like a person has more flexibility to vigilantly yes. enforce boundaries. Um, I, I, I guess I was saying that with the idea that you've now established a five, ten plus year relationship with somebody where mm-hmm. in order to establish, in order to start enforcing boundaries in a healthy way, you're going to have to do it in a way that completely changes the dynamics of your relationship and might feel to the other person like you're changing the rules midstream, which can mm-hmm. feel really unfair to a person. Mm-hmm. So somebody who doesn't have like the wherewithal and the emotional intelligence where they just haven't caught up with this idea that what I do hurts my partner, um, yeah. right? They don't quite recognize that yet. That person, it's, it's easy for them to like feel victimized by all, all of a sudden their, their dissatisfied, you know, spouse changing the rules mm-hmm. of the game midstream. And well, um, anyway, that's just, that's, that's a difficult conversation. I mean, for a lot of right. people to have. And, and, and it is, and, and unfortunately, this is what, I mean, I remember reading this article, gosh, it's now got to be close to 20 years ago. It was, a, it was um, I can't remember the author's name, um, but she wrote a book called Sex and the Seasoned Woman. It was about women in their 40s and 50s basically getting really pissed off because they feel like they've been taken advantage of you know, because they've been, you know, doing everything for their husbands and they're doing everything for their kids. And then it's like, well, now it's my turn. It's like, well, it always should have been your turn. You always should have been part of that equation. And if you start doing things for people and they don't know that you have a problem with it, why would they, why would, and and they enjoy it, why would they do it? They wouldn't do anything about it. And so it, it is about recognizing and setting up the boundaries early, which I know is tough. I mean, I get that. <laughs> so what, Matt, do you have an answer for this about how people can do this? I mean, I, I, in, in the context of people who are married, I mean, I think that really takes us to the starting point that I imagine a lot of people, um, a lot of people are at when mm-hmm. they first come to you and mm-hmm. or Right, and then, then that, right. that, tends, that tends to be when I'm having the conversation. So I'm usually working with a man who uh-huh. is eerily similar to who I was eight <laughs> to ten years ago right. in my marriage, right? Like that uh-huh. statistically is how this tends to work out. And that guy is in a place in his life where he is thinking and feeling about the things his wife's saying and doing in much the same way I was, which was I perceived her to have differences of opinion and I perceived her to, to want to win where it's like, why do your preferences get to win? And uh-huh. the thing I was always missing and, and this idea that I'm, I'm constantly harping on is people have radically different experiences than we do. This is just a classic lesson in empathy and I needed it and I lacked it. People uh-huh. feel hurt for things that you are dismissing as inconsequential hurt. I don't mean like, I don't mean they're soft. I don't mean they have a, a, like a pain threshold problem. I mean right. something's literally happening that's causing actual measurable damage to them. And every time they try to bring it up to you, you dispute the facts you, mm-hmm. or you agree with the facts and, 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 and characterize them as overreacting to them, or yes. you justify, you justify mm-hmm. the conditions, whether on behalf of someone else or yourself, you say, well, there's a good reason why that happened. There's a good reason why I did this. 
And, and all of the time, over and over again, we're, we're re-emphasizing that what just happened to the person we promised to love, honor, and serve the rest of our life, it just didn't matter. That is the conclusion every time, every conversation. When, when you're the kind of person who doesn't identify the, the pain, when you're not seeing it and respecting it and honoring it, and what's so scary to me is good men do this with frequency. Yeah. Good men who would never, ever intentionally hurt their spouse unwittingly participate in hurting their spouse in mm-hmm. daily conversation. And I was so guilty of it. So what I'm always doing is can, I'm trying to reframe the conversation to help him identify that mathematical pattern. No matter what she comes to you with, if something hurts, if something's affecting her, the result is always her feelings don't matter enough to do anything mm-hmm. about, to support, to, to recognize and invest in, either, again, in like this emotional, supportive, loving way, or to literally take action, to try to modify a behavior that might be like adversely impacting her. It's right. always this dismissal or minimizing or defense that kills love and relationships over the course of many years. So I, I don't... I, I can't have the boundary conversation until I get to the guy I'm talking to, to, to sort of recognize and agree that damage is being done and that mm-hmm. we, as men, as husbands, as spouses, regardless of gender, are committed mm-hmm. to this idea that we're not going to be the kind of people who um, either, either actively damage our wives or, or sort of sit on the sideline negligently while they're being hurt, that that's mm-hmm. not consistent with who we want to be. You know, I don't want to work with somebody who's like, I don't care if my wife feels hurt. Like, right. you know, right. so yeah. almost everybody I talk to, right, is exceedingly decent. They are and they care. They just don't connect the dot. They don't see how, like, the dish by the sink equals a painful thing. They don't know how to think about it that way. So I spend a ton of time it, trying to translate Because it's not that. for them. Yeah, because it's not for I, them. And that's, you, and, you said and it perfectly me, earlier. Right. And to me, that's yeah, when you perfect. Talk, sorry. Yeah, that's the perfect thing about, you know, it's, the biggest challenge that I think for marriage is you're two different people. Always have been, always will be. Now what do you do? <laughs> and this is that negotiation. And, you know, I know you and I could continue talking about this for forever, but my, but my producer is going to yell at me. So okay. Can you tell it. people where they can learn more about your work, you know, health, setting healthy boundaries, creating empathy, all these things that we know are really essential for healthy relationships? As we discussed earlier, I want to shoot everybody to my primary introduction to boundaries as a really, really key idea in relationships came from one of my favorite writers. His name is Mark Manson. And so markmanson.net, he wrote something called The Guide to Strong Boundaries. It's my favorite piece of writing on boundaries. Um, And I think it's almost a decade old now, but I think it's really, really well done. Um, I write at my own blog, Must Be This Tall to Ride, and... um, that's where if people are interested, they could come find other things that I write. Yeah. And by the way, I highly recommend you go to Matt's blog because it's really, really good. Um, and what I want people to know is that a relationship or marriage that does not honor and include you is one that is destined to cause you pain. But if you don't respect your own boundaries, no one else will either. And yes, it can be truly scary to take a stand but not taking one won't prevent a bad outcome. It's only going to delay it. So hopefully you guys have learned something about boundaries and how to implement them, and hopefully you'll continue listening to the show. So until next week, stay loving.